0: Welcome to Melanated Conversations, our narrative and our perspective.
1: Here on the podcast, we are amplifying the voices of black women and sharing their powerful stories of transformation. I'm Tyrion, And I'm Yana. Let's start the show. Guys, welcome back to the show. Yes, I'm your host Yana, and I'm Tarion. <laughs> and you are
0: listening to another episode of Melanated Conversations. Yes,
1: yes. you guys, we are so excited. To yes, get-
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even let you get it out. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> we are so excited to introduce our guest of the show today. Well, we have a special treat for you guys. Mm -hmm. We are coming in with
0: the treats, okay? Yes.
1: (laughs) So today we have... The very our very own Doctor Tracy Palmer Baxley. Y'all heard that right, Doctor. Yes. You, make sure you put that doctor on there. She, she earned it. She earned it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, Doctor Tracy Baxley is the founder and CEO of Tracy Baxley Co- Consulting, um, a company dedicated to supporting parents on their journey of raising independent, compassionate, and socially conscious children. As a belonging and inclusion advocate and the creator of Social Justice Parenting, she assists families who are stuck in fear-based parenting to transition to parenting from a space of radical love. As an educator for over 30 years and a mother of five children, Dr. Baxley uses her experiences and her expertise to support parents through issues of belonging, self-advocacy, social-emotional executive function development. And in addition, she offers cultural awareness and racial identity training to nonprofit agencies that support transracial families. So, welcome, oh welcome, Dr. Baxley. Thank yes. you for joining us today.
2: Thank you, ladies. It's my pleasure. I'm very excited to be a part of Melanated
1: Conversations. Yes, <laughs> if y'all can see me right now, I'm doing a little jig in my yeah, chair. shoulder, little shoulder jig. <laughs> I have been waiting so long to talk to Dr. Baxley. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to for, for you guys as well to hear uh, what all she has going on. She's doing some phenomenal things, and I'm glad that she said yes. yes. And she's willing to share that with you guys. So, yes, but before we actually go into our chat today... You guys know we always start our show with mm-hmm. a little round of mm-hmm. rapid fire questions. Yes, indeed. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> so Tracy, you are of course a part of that too, and since you are our guest of honor, we're actually going to throw the question your way first. Oh, wow. you ready? Okay.
2: This is actually my favorite part of your show. Oh, Yay! okay.
1: Yay! <laughs> So, Terry, you want to say I didn't know I was going to be involved in it, so this is for Oh cool. no, yes, yes, you are involved.
0: All right, all right, Tracy, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so I know we're just definitely tiptoeing into the fall season, and when I say tiptoeing, we barely getting there. We crawling, because it is still hot. <laughs> At least here in Texas. Texas. Here in South Florida,
2: too. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: For me, this is getting close to my favorite time of year. We've got movies. We just had Friday the 13th to just pass this past Friday, so I'm going to ask you, Movie genres, horror or comedy? What you got?
2: Comedy all day. Really? Yes, I do not like horror at all. I won't even, like my kids, like right now, they're trying to see it. I guess that's what's out. Oh, around. yeah. And I just, I can't do them.
0: Is it something like just your whole life, like you just never?
2: No, I think like as a teenager, I went with my friends, but I just, the energy it it takes to sit through that, I just would rather use it somewhere else i i get that and i love laughter so
1: we love to laugh too tracy oh you know i'm all <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that tracy i okay if you guys don't know by now i think we talked about this in a in a previous episode don't laugh when i say this tracy but my nickname is boo mm-hmm. <laughs> it's what boo b-o-o <laughs> and i didn't get that name you know as a cute like oh my boo boo, boo. Boo. no. <laughs> I got that name because Terry and my brother terrorized me as kids and they will always sneak up on me and just say, boo. And whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. How did I
0: get thrown? Oh, keto. T- yes. Not me. Yeah.
1: You were part of it too. Oh Terry. man. Terra T. That was your Terra T <laughs> date. Oh, okay. But yes. Um, and I, they scared me so much that I just started answering to it and I became, that <laughs> <laughs> became my nickname.
0: So true. So,
1: um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not the horror movie fan. Now, if it's like a group of us going. Yeah. Because I think we all went to go see, what was that movie? Mirrors or something. Oh, I forgot and about we, that. Yeah, we, we And did. we showed up to the theater late and we were like right in the front row. Yes. And the, that thing that terrorized me. And I'm looking at, I, I, I covered every mirror that night. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I forgot at, about that movie. Yes, no, I'm still see how it, I'm still Man, it did something to you. Yes. And I just love to laugh. Um, if you can't tell, I love to joke. I just love if... That's like a quality for me. If yeah. you can make me laugh, and you you Just got a friend going. in me. Right. Um. So yeah, I would say comedy too. That's right. a long way of answering that question, but yeah. Okay. No, I, I'm actually. Uh, I love comedy
0: movies as well. I, you know, I'd watch horror movies, especially for summer. With summers when I would come visit y'all, I feel like, I th- and I think it was, a, it was a keto thing. Like he was making us watch all this. Keto is movies. my brother, by the way.
1: And yes, that's <laughs> his name. So like the, the the diet. Yeah,
0: his name is Keto. <laughs> But So that's where I felt like I would watch all the scary movies was down at Granny House and hanging out with y'all and stuff like that. I remember being pregnant with Zoe. And I don't remember some movie was coming out. And I just remember for the first time, because I was like, it wasn't like I gravitated towards horror movies. But if I thought it was, oh, that might be a good movie to watch, I will, I will watch it. But I just remember being like, so unsettled in my spirit. Because I was just like, I didn't want whatever energy that movie was giving off. Mm-hmm. It was weird to like jump on <laughs> like me and my baby mom or baby. I was just like, I'm not having none of that. So I, I stayed away from horror movies f- for a very long time. And I think it wasn't probably until I think it came out mm-hmm. last year or the year before, whenever like the remake came out, I was like, all right, we're going to go try to watch this. And I was okay. But for the longest, I was like, ah, I'm not fooling with that, especially with children um, I just was like, that's a no. So I'm comedy all day as as well. Cause y'all know I'm goofy. So
1: yeah. Three <laughs> for comedy. I think it's this is in our bloodline. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. That's, I
0: love a good comedy.
1: Yeah. So three for comedy. <laughs> yeah, okay. Do you yeah. want to do another one? Do we have time for one more? I think this one we is can quick. Do, we, can we can do, do one more. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Tracy, one more for you. What is your favorite city in the US besides the one that you live in?
2: I think. New York, and I don't. I would. I don't think I would want to live there because it's it's almost too fast paced for me. But to visit, um, we always have such a great time. I mean, there's so many surrounding cities near that when we visit, we also do Philadelphia. So we do like the the um, touristy thing, but then we also eat downtown, eat um, in the city. Um, So I think New York would be would be my favorite, and we also go see all the Broadway shows. My son is.
1: Into theater. Oh, so, oh yes.
2: Yeah, there's something for everybody there, so it's a great visit.
1: I'm I'm thinking about that one. Oh, okay. Um, I, I actually want to say San Diego. I really okay, like San Diego. Okay. Yeah. Um, no particular, It's Just beautiful. Just, well, San Diego is beautiful. Really, I don't really. Is that your pick? That's my pick for now.
0: Okay. If you change your mind, <laughs>
1: you're a woman. You're allowed to change your mind.
0: It's totally okay. Um, oh, man. Okay. So. <laughs> me, is between two, two, um, San Francisco and mm-hmm. so it's between San Francisco and Park City, but I think I'm going to have to go with Park City, Utah. Really? Yeah, really? Yes. Like we went last year for spring break and took the girls. Like it's just, it's a small quaint little town like it's not too much going on it's nestled in the mountains i, I feel like it's family friendly so it's not in the, the big city of salt lake city <laughs> quote unquote but um yeah it's just kind of you know like a, the drive out there is wonderful because i think it's just beautiful the scenery everything so yeah i'm gonna have to say park, park city, city. Okay. but san francisco is like a nice you have yeah, to go you have to go it's beautiful beautiful especially obviously when there's still snow and stuff like that. Um, go skiing and all that fun stuff. So
1: yeah. See? Mm-hmm. We ski
0: too. We ski black folks ski too. <laughs> them know. We got on the slopes.
1: Yeah. We was in a beginner class, but we Hey, you got on We the slopes, got on so. the slopes. <laughs> you weren't the only ones there on the beginning. Slope. That's right. No, we really weren't. That okay. is so real.
0: All right. All right. So is that <laughs> wrapping up our rapid fire round?
1: All right. No, guys, so yeah, let's go let's ahead and segue into our Melanated chat today. Yeah. Um, but actually, before we get into everything, Tracy, let our listeners know, you know, a little bit about Dr. Tracy Palmer Baxley. What is Who, who is? Palmer- With a real Dr. Tracy Baxley, <laughs> please stand up. What are your origins? Kind of give us a little background of you.
2: Um, well, currently, I am a wife and a mother of five, has very unique, wonderful children. They all have their different needs, obviously. Um, but I grew up in basically in the same town that I'm living in now. I uh, went to college and moved away for a few years and then ended up coming back home, especially my husband and I actually have known each other since fourth grade. We were friends growing up through elementary, middle and high school. Uh, We never dated or anything, just friends. We had the same circles. We both played a lot of sports, so we knew each other and um, we did some things together, Um, but it wasn't until we both went to separate colleges and moved away. And then we both get came back in town around the same time that we reconnected we as friends. And um it obviously turned into almost almost 20 years. We married almost 20 years. Um, and I am an educator of 30 years. I got um, my degrees in um, child development and education, and my doctorate degree is in curriculum instruction, where I specialize in multicultural education and literacy are the two my two areas of specialization. I guess as a little girl, we I lived in a mostly in a predominantly white neighborhood. We were the only black family growing up. And so, this idea of belonging was always kind of a part of my thoughts. Um, I didn't know it would materialize into something that I would make a living on um, or it be my life's work, but it's always been something that's been important to me. Also, I know in the Black community, colorism is, is such a huge pro- I think it's a problem. Oh, yeah. Um, but I was also like the darker skinned sister of my. Four, there was four girls. Mm. And so yeah, yeah. So I always felt not different, but I was very conscious and aware that my skin color was different than my sisters. Um, and nothing that really happened in my house. I grew up in a very wonderfully supportive family with my parents and my three sisters. But you know. It, you feel it. You know, it's
0: there. Yeah. Society. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but, um, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I, I have two daughters too. And one of my daughters is actually lighter. I think a little bit lighter than me and my husband. And one of my daughters is darker than me and my husband. And I always, we always try to, sh- I don't want to say stress, but want her to understand that or, or not to let people make her feel a certain type of way. Because I've heard people make comments. Oh, she's. She darkened. Oh, she came out darker than both of y'all. Like comments like that. Like I've heard family members say this this type of stuff, and just want to stress with her that like there is nothing wrong. Like you are beautiful. There is nothing wrong with your skin color. So what? You came out darker than both. Like what does that matter? You're beautiful, intelligent, smart young lady. You have so much to offer, and there's no difference between you and your sister. But I know that the world will view them differently solely based off of the fact that their skin colors are different. So that, yeah. So that's something that I, me and my husband always try to be aware of. And, and like I said, I'm not trying to make a big deal out of it, but also want her to be aware that people may try to bring those type of things to her. And at the end of the day, that does not matter. So sorry, I didn't mean to go down that
2: route. I would say two things to that. The first thing I would say to that is you want to prepare her for the world. Right. So you do want to talk to her about how beautiful her skin is. You do want to read books about skin types, skin colors. Um, talk about genetics and how you, how lucky you are. You get what you get, and how beautiful. But I, you do want to make that a common conversation in your house. So when she goes out into the world and she encounters that, she has an easy language to talk back to them with. Got it. In, in read it. And and bred it and ingrained in who she is. Yeah. So, uh,
0: Thank you. The
2: second thing too that I would challenge you to do is address that with family members.
0: Okay. Because
2: you know, we grew up saying those things to, to our each other and we've kind of just kind of brushed it off. Right. But I think our family members need to ma- be made aware that it, it is a big deal and it does impact the way children feel about themselves and how they find their place in the world. So you don't have to do it in a, an aggressive way. But I would I would be open to having those conversations with the people in your family saying, you know, just this is what we're teaching her. Yeah. And those comments, they are very innocent in, in what in, in, in how they're coming out, but they could be interpreted or they could be hurtful. Right. And- I would would appreciate that you um, respond in a way that we're teaching our daughter to to embrace all her melanin. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. A really good advice. Thank you, thank okay. you for that wisdom. Thank you for sharing that. And I didn't mean to like like so I didn't mean to cut you off because I knew you're in the middle of sharing your story. I apologize. No, no, no. It just made me think about that. So thank you. Yeah. You may continue. <laughs> you were saying. Yeah.
2: So so yes, growing up for this idea of always figuring out where I belonged in in, in spaces. And, um I think when I started to uh, work, and I saw when kids didn't belong in certain groups or felt left out, I think I just automatically gravitated to them. And um I always felt like it was my opportunity or my responsibility to make them feel special. And so, I think that's kind of how it all began, really feeling like I, it was my job, almost that it was it was my calling to to work on spaces of belonging, um, because we know it's it's, basically, it's a human right to belong, and we all need it and we all thrive on it and we all respond to it. So I'm very much a proponent of creating spaces where, where children and adults feel like they are a part of it and they have voice.
0: Yeah. So, I'm sorry. So speaking of that space. You were referring to social justice parenting, am I correct?
2: That's part of it, yes. Okay. I, I do social justice parenting is my, what I'm helping parents, but I also, you know, work with organizations. I work with schools and teachers. So I really work on belonging in various spaces, whether it's in the home, in school sites, and in, in the workspace. But social justice parenting and helping parents is really at the heart of what I do and who i am i guess you know as a mother of five children and my husband is white Mm -hmm. my kids are biracial but um i i raise my kids as 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 black and i have a a daughter and four boys and um i position them and give them the narrative of what it means to be black in in society and um what that means to belong for them right challenges that they may have um in the world
1: yeah. So how did you, I guess, um, what was that defining moment yes, that led into you. you doing more of this work? Like, what was that? Um, I guess that light bulb moment that you it became more than just, you know, just this concept or just this thing, but more it became personal a, for you. Yes.
2: Yes. I, I think there were two major moments in, in my life as a mother. The first one was my middle child, um, who's my second oldest son. Um, was diagnosed with ADHD when he was in second grade. I mean, it wasn't a surprising diagnosis. You know, as an educator, I knew, I, I knew he um, had focusing issues. I knew he had um, impulse control issues. Um, so it wasn't like it was a surprise. Um, but once he got that official diagnosis, of course, the next thing people wanted me to put him on medicine, put him on medicine. And so I wasn't a big proponent of medicine. I really wanted to try to not put him on medicine and figure out how we could um, make it work in the public school without medicating him. And so, you know, we in our family, we decided to change his diet, get rid of all the dyes and very limited sugars and making sure he exercised and he took the fish oils and we did the essential oils and all that stuff. And it helped a little bit, but it didn't help him enough to really belong in school. And so I was uh, volunteering in the classroom once a week, and I would just kind of watch him. And he really couldn't control himself. He would roll over the floor, he would touch other people. And I would leave that classroom and go sit in my car after that hour in the classroom. And I would just cry. Because I knew his little body could not help it. I I knew it wasn't about him trying harder. I mean, they they equate it to like, somebody who needs a kid who needs glasses and you say, just focus better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he he couldn't help it. He was very impulsive. Yeah, I mean, He wasn't hurting anybody, but he was touching them or sitting too close to them or whatever. And so at that point I made the decision that I probably needed to put him on medicine. And it was a very hard conversation that I had with my husband who did not want him on medicine at all. And so after seeing him week after week, I knew it was something that he needed support on. And so we did that for two years and um, he just did not, he did not like being on the medicine. He would tell me and I would keep changing it. I would go less. And so finally um, in fifth grade, I'm like, you know what? We're done with this. Cause I only gave him medicine at school. He never had it on the weekends. He never had it in the summer. He never had it on his days off. And I just was really tired of trying to conform yeah. to, for him. Yeah. And it seems like even when he was doing normal 10 year old boy things, they would like to, they, they brought it on the ADHD. Did he take his medicine? It, I mean, it was just always like he became the target. I felt like he was a target. And so um, I decided that I was going to homeschool him and that I would start advocating for our parents with kids with ADHD who didn't have the privilege or didn't have the resources to be able to take their kids out and homeschool them. And so that's kind of where the social justice parenting kind of began with me starting to work with parents to advocate them on their, for their kids with ADHD in the school systems and some choices that they can make at home, kind of what their rights and responsibilities were and some choices that they can make. So when I homeschool him, I, we started doing a curriculum that um, was good for him. The first probably four months, we learned about what ADHD was, what that meant for him, all the people who had it, what he needed to do. So he did a lot of research on finding ways to support himself. Um, He's a big science guy. So we did all our curriculums around things that he loved.
0: Yeah.
2: And so then I I had other parents saying, how does that work? How are you, what are you doing? How are you creating your curriculum? And so then I started helping other people create curriculum for their children. Yeah. And so I started doing kind of social justice work around that, um, creating curriculum around social justice issues that I would share with, um, really started off with family and friends. And then other people said, oh, I would, I would buy that or tell me more about that. So that was kind of the, I would say, the beginnings of the whole idea of social justice parenting.
0: I think that's great. I think I love the fact that you 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 essentially you you took the one thing that people may view as negative or hindrance for your son and you used you flipped it and empowered him and said hey we're going to learn about this we're going to learn what this means what this is and then okay we're going to we're going to redirect and we're going to you know what I mean use this to our advantage so that, to speak I yeah. love that i think that's great
2: and i didn't want him to think that label was something negative right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though the school or the teachers made it seem like there was something wrong with him. Yeah. I wanted to make sure he knew there was nothing wrong with him and that all those successful people out there with ADHD who are changing the world, who are creating all kinds of interesting invent- inventions, and I wanted him to know that that, that was him.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I, I actually have a background in education as well, actually was a special education teacher. Um, but I want to ask you, I, I know laws tend to be different, obviously, across state lines, but... When it was first brought to your attention that your son maybe was having or showing some some difficulties or focusing, was it something that you noticed or did the teacher bring that to your attention?
2: Um, I always knew, you know, as a as an educator, I knew he had I knew he had what what, would be what would be diagnosed as ADHD. But when he was really when he got to third grade, he was really struggling to make friends. I think socially was and he's my most social kid. He's a kid that's never met a stranger, Aww. very outgoing. He would talk to anybody all day long. And when I saw that he wasn't making friends in school and, and only, mostly because of his impulsivity, I, I knew that I, as a mom, I need to do something to make it better for him. And that is when I started putting him on medication because I said, is this medication my issue? Mm-hmm. Um, And I don't want to make him suffer because I may have a problem with the medication. And that is when I really had to have that hard conversation with myself to say, is this about me or is it about him? Yeah. And then when he started telling me I don't like the way it makes me feel, I'm like, "Okay, then let's 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 work on that, too.
1: Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I think you really helped someone today who's actually going through similar situation, mm-hmm. you know, they or don't recognize the signs or they're getting that pushback that, you know, you have to that medication is the only way because yeah. we hear that so often that you need to go and just try this method and or they just want to medicate right. their children just to keep it going. But there is. You know, just hearing your story. and, um, you know, although it, you know, it's a it's a process of getting there, you were able to recognize and you know, create a new avenue and a new lane for your son. So, yeah, thank you for sharing absolutely. that. absolutely.
0: And not only that, I think just being present and aware, obviously she has a back you have a background in education, so there were just things that you just noticed off the bat. But I think just being present and not allowing another educator or the teacher to be like, you know, singling your child out and trying to make something like, oh, just your child is, you put these negative connotations on your child, like your child is bad, he doesn't sit down or, you know what I mean? All these other things are, he's yes. being a distraction, just really kind of singling your child out. Because I think a lot of times parents who may not be aware or uneducated, you know, on topics such as ADHD and, and things of that nature, like if a teacher comes in and say, hey, these are things I'm noticing that's going on with your child, something, something's going on or there being a hindrance or being a distraction to my class. And then that that parent goes, walks away and and they think, Oh, I I must have a a problem child. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And not seek to go get help or educate themselves or find out that there's something else underlying that's going on and then advocate for their child. So,
2: yes. And and another point that you kind of alluded to, to Taryn is that when, when your child is always being singled out, Mm -hmm. You need to go in and volunteer at the school. Like you need to sit in the classroom to see what's going on. Because listen, I know Tyler is not perfect, but I also knew he was also a ten-year-old boy, mm-hmm. and, and I knew some of the behaviors that he had were typical for a ten-year-old boy. Right. So if a if a, if a teacher is calling you saying that your child is not sitting, okay. So what are you doing as a teacher? Uh-huh. As a teacher, what are you doing to keep them engaged? Yep. Yeah, you know he can't sit longer than 20 minutes, what else can you do? Especially if you have a 504 yes. you can, a legal document really work that because, um, you know, and, and I'm an educator, I'm going to advocate for educators, but I'm also a mom. And I know sometimes educators are not really looking at the kids 504. Plans. Yep. And so there needs to be a constant communication of what's working, what's not working. And everybody needs to be on the same team to support that child. But I I encourage parents to go watch their children, to get involved, to be a part of that 504 plan, to consistently go back and see what's working, what's not working, what can be revamped, to have a plan that you do at home that the school can support you on and and really making that a a team effort and a team decision.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All of this. Yes. I'm over here taking notes. I'm like a 504 plan. Let me write that down. I'm about to go back and check my you, no, you don't know. Oh, okay. You, you're, you're okay. Good. I don't know. Just, yeah. I just wrote it down. Somebody need to hear that. Yes. Okay. So we talked a lot about social justice parenting. Um, can you let our listeners know kind of what is social justice parenting? What does it mean? What does it involve?
2: Yes. Yeah, social justice parenting is kind of like a philosophy that I, created, um, and I'm hoping that it'll be, become a movement. Um, and it's really is about moving from this idea of fear-based parenting. Um, like, for example, when we look at the, the political climate today and social issues today, everybody is parenting from fear. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody is being othered in our country, and people are afraid of their neighbors. And so, and we have school shootings, right? So parents are afraid to send their kids to school. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of black moms with black sons who are afraid to interact with law enforcement. And so families are also afraid to to talk about hard subjects. They want to keep their kids in this protected bubble and not allow them to see what's going on in the real world. But my this philosophy of social justice parenting is really about pushing past that fear-based parenting. Because really, in the long run, it it's, it has huge consequences for for our children when they when they're adults or when they're growing up, and it's really asking parents to parent from a more positive, which is what I call kind of a radical love um, stance. And it's I, I have five five principles or five kind of building blocks that I use when I talk about social justice parenting and it's in the acronym of ROCKS. So it's the the building blocks or the the rocks or the foundation. So the R is for uh, reflection. And like, it's hard to parent without looking back to see how our own childhood experiences have um, impacted the way we show up for our kids every day. Um, So there may be some things in your past that were or may have been negative and that we wanna make sure that they don't show up for the next generation. So being very intentional and very open about looking back and recognizing the things that shape the way we see the world and how we want that to show up for our kids the o is open dialogue and that's about really having courage to have those hard conversations with your kids even when you're fearful even when you don't know the answers it's about being vulnerable um having a safe space for kids to come and talk to you about about things, yeah. um, even if you have to do the research and learn about them together, but really that open dialogue gives kids a safe place at home to have the conversations that are tough for them. Um, C is compassion. And when I say compassion, I mean self compassion, right? You're teaching your kids to, t- to have self care yeah. and to advocate for themselves through your modeling. And it's also about having compassion for humankind. So, how are you modeling for yourself? Um, how do kids see you show up in the world? And how are you teaching your kids to have compassion for people who are different from them or who are othered in, in the world, um, standing up for, for, for people who are different? Um, the K is for kindness. So this is, uh, again, being kind to yourself. You know, As moms, we kind of hard, hard on ourselves. We don't wanna take everything on um, and not giving ourselves a little bit of grace. So that behavior is modeled for our kids, whether we know it or not. And it teaches them the way to treat themselves when they grow up. It's also about practicing random acts of kindness to others. You know, we do a lot of small things in our house, little small acts. Like some days we'll, we'll um, say, okay, everybody do one small act at school or at work. And then let's come back for dinner. Let's talk about it. Or we're in drive-through. We say, okay, the next person in line, we're going to pay for the next person behind us in line. Mm -hmm. Little things like that, just so the kids build a habit of kindness. And that becomes natural for them as they grow older. And then the last S, the last um, building block is S and that's um, being socially engaged. So how are you teaching your kids to be an activist? I mean, it doesn't mean you're going to rallies necessarily, but it's about being an activist in your home, being an activist in your community. You know, if, if you're passionate about the environment, what little things are you doing? Are you recycling? You know, that's a, that's a being socially engaged. Mm-hmm. Are you planting trees? So it doesn't have to be anything major, just little things that you're being engaged in teaching your kids that they are a part of the planet. They're a part of the world. And it's all in a symbiotic kind of relationship and that we have to be active in making the changes that we want to see in the world. So social justice parenting really is a roadmap to guide us to really using radical love and not fear in our parenting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that. I love that. I love yes. the acronym uh, <laughs> of that as well. And I was actually thinking about it because, you know, you're the belonging expert. So not just from a parenting perspective, but just from someone who comes from myself, from, you know, the corporate world and mm-hmm. HR, I was just thinking about how, you know, radical love rights can even be applied to from that sense, from a corporate sense, and yeah. even just <laughs> basically society could you give like some tips for corporations that you know how they can apply even this um concept to their organization as well yeah
2: yes definitely um i think like when you're looking at at leaders again it goes back to reflection first right what are your own implicit biases and your prior experiences and assumptions that you have about different groups of people Mm -hmm. and, and how does that show up in the workplace so really educating yourself educating your leadership team about what inclusion should look like, I would also challenge p- business owners and leaderships and corporations to really look at your mission statement, look at your um, inclusion practices and see if, if reading those, if I'm somebody who looks different from you, do I see myself in, in your mission, mm. do I see myself in your inclusion? Practices. Yeah. So like, I think really looking at your intentional practices to see if they really transfer to everybody that's a part of your team. Um, and if you don't know, then you should seek feedback. I, I see so many like commercials and ads that are offensive to people. And mm-hmm. I, mean, I always see, think they didn't have anybody in their inner circle from different groups yeah. that said, that's not a good thing to, to, to put out. Um, And I don't want to name companies in particular. Right, right. There's been a lot of companies that do things that are insensitive, that are almost microaggressions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that if you don't seek feedback from others, from members that are underrepresented in the world or in, in your society, then you stand a chance of really um, isolating or making people feel like they don't belong. So I would be very explicit and intentional about the practices that you have in your, in your spaces. Yeah. And then people often also, they think about having these, about diversity, right? They like the idea of diversity, like having these different kinds of people Mm -hmm. representing their company, but they don't think about the inclusion part where does my, structure address the needs of this diverse workforce that I've now created. Mm. So the challenge is creating, like doing some backwards planning, right? Creating these inclusive workspaces in order to attract these diverse workforce. And you already have that built in. Don't wait until you get a diverse workforce and then say, oh my gosh, what do I need to do to retain them? Yeah.
0: I think I I love the fact that through social justice parenting and the, the radical love rocks philosophy that you, that it's, I think it's so plain and simple across the board that children can, can understand. And also that, you know what I mean? Like in adults, it can be used to to help teach adults as well. I think even more than that, Listen, if we start off with their children, we won't have to train our adults. You know what I mean? It's, it sucks. And it's sad that our society like even have to have these kind of trainings about inclusion and diversity in corporate America, in the workplace, in other areas of society, because these things weren't taught at home. Right, um, right. But thank you, Tracy, Dr. Baxley, for doing the hard work, being aware and saying, hey, there's a need for this and using your gifts. So I thank you so much for 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 this, because this is Lord yeah. knows we need it. Yes. <laughs> and I was
1: even thinking about from um, how kind of like what you were saying, Taryn, just even as adults, this is something that like this can be applied in just plug and play for any scenario. Yeah. And I also just wanted to just kind of talk more about even as an adult not even just a parent how can we ourselves apply this theory and you know especially the self-reflection and starting Mm -hmm. there because there are all like these implicit biases that we all may have yeah um what are your thoughts around that and just as as an individual how do we apply this into our lives that's good
2: i i totally agree i mean reflection open dialogue compassion kindness and social engage that could be anybody yeah Mm -hmm. I think if we all apply that to our lives, this world would look very differently. And so I I think, like you're saying, it's simple enough. How how can you apply those five basic ideas into your everyday practice? And I think it's just a matter of really reflecting on that and being intentional about making changes. And um, I think, like you're saying, any human should want that in their lives. But I think part of it is really that radical love piece because we can be reflective or we can have open dialogue with people who look like us. But the radical love piece is really about going across, you know, seeing just a human in everybody and not othering others. It's a really important part. You know, it's it's really about having this commitment to dialogue with other people, um, being open to taking risks that may benefit children and benefit ourselves. Radical love is like um, love magnified. It's, it's, loving those people that you don't know who are different from you in a way that you're willing to be open and to listen and to value who they are, keeping your hearts and your minds open to these differences and these different perspectives.
0: That's beautiful. Yes. (laughs) I love that. I I absolutely love that. So I guess my next question would be, um, do you have any resources or any extra information you'd like to share regarding social justice parenting and how we can find out more about any other work
1: that you do yeah yeah because I know um you have other you know you do consulting work too yeah so yes how can we get plugged in to those resources
2: Uh, one thing for families that I created that I um would love for more families to get I created like a uh a little PDF booklet on youth activism and how, what that looks like and how families can get involved with things that they're passionate about. So it's, it's a kind of an activity packet for parents, families to do together.
0: Nice.
1: And if
0: You go to my
2: website, site, uh, TracyBaxley.com,
1: It's a nice little activity packet. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off Tracy, but I love oh, okay. it. It's so cute. So
2: it's a way to get started, you know, with the activism piece and the kindness piece. So that's there. I also um do a lot of corporate and school training, so that's uh my, my
0: do you do church trainings i I'm, I'm asking for a friend
2: <laughs> I would do some church ch- church training there's a lot of training that needs to go on in churches and listen your uh episode that you do at your what was that your episode two or three it talks about whether you're oh three religious at so identified with them. Yeah. So many levels.
0: Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: but so that's that's a, a great way to get started with your family. Um, and that's on the TracyBaxley.com website. And on that website too, there's a uh, few are a business owner or corporation. If you click on that, the consulting um tab Mm -hmm. it will take you to my corporate business which is called brown schooling and so it'll it'll be a direct link to that in some of the workshops that that i do in schools and with with businesses and then the new thing that i have that's coming out in 2020 is i'm i've created a kind of social justice parenting uh, signature program Mm -hmm. It's going to be an eight-week coaching program for parents Mm. who are interested in diving deeper into what social justice parenting looks like and feels like, and some practical activities for you to do with your, with your families to make it come alive. The program will kind of drip over eight weeks and it'll have worksheets and resources and practical implications, um, implementation. And I'll, it'll also have like a private Facebook group well, I'll do Facebook lives and answer questions and also it'll also include like weekly uh, Q&A sessions within the course each week I'll do a zoom live session for you to ask questions and to get more insight into particular questions that you may have and so I'm really excited about that
1: yes <laughs> that sounds phenomenal I'm, <laughs> I'm like, saying I'm yeah, like, I get like one-on-one time with Dr. Baxley right herself. there is, is not no... like a you know here's a little course you signed up for and you know learn on your Oh, no, you're getting guidance along the way. FaceTime. Yes. Yes. I love that. There
0: is no excuse. <laughs> there is
2: no excuse, guys. Yeah, so we're, we're going to kick that off in January.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. All right. So do you have like a sign up for that, like a waiting list?
2: Yes, there'll be a sign up. If you go to TracyBacksleepCoaching.com, there'll be a, a landing page there that you can kind of pre-order. Okay. okay. So you can find it there. And I I'll, and I'll also have a link within the Tracy Baxley dot com website but if you want to get a direct link it's com, and we'll have a landing page for you to pre-sign up and then there you'll have a little bit of details of, of what each week will look like
0: we'll be
1: sure to link everything in the everything show in, notes yeah yes we'll yeah. have all that included in the show notes definitely time. all right so some few closing questions um hey. i have one so go ahead yana um, we always like to ask our um future guests this question if you could um name one song to be your theme song for twenty nineteen, what would that be for you? And it doesn't have to be a song that came out in twenty nineteen, just a song.
2: Good question. I think the first thing that popped into my mind when you said that was Bob Marley's One Love.
1: Oh, oh. That's a good one.
2: Yeah, so it kind of connects
1: to what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I had it just kind of I was hey. singing it in my head. Yeah, I feel like I'm part one part Jamaica. Listen, when we do when we do road trips, I ain't
0: gonna hold I you like her. I make the playlist. Y'all gonna be like, go ahead and make sure we got these songs listed. Yeah, you gotta okay? make sure I need a reggae section. <laughs> we got you. I got you covered. <laughs> I love
2: the way you guys know each other.
0: All right, I got I got another question for you. Is that okay? Yes. All right. If I were to come to visit wherever you live, what's the one place that you like to go eat? And what would you order? What would you recommend? We
2: have a little Mexican restaurant here. It's called Señor Burrito. And um, I usually get the fajitas or vegetarian um, quesadilla. That's really good. They have a really great avocado salad. With this avocado dressing that's out of this world yeah and it's still reasonably priced <laughs> which is really nice when you have a family of seven definitely
0: yes, yes senior burrito is that what you said
2: burritos yes
1: all right all right we, I mean, we gotta make our way down that way anyway because you know tracy lives she lives close yeah. to where, where where are you she tracy? lives near in the miami area oh okay yeah, yeah. so we're trying to find a way to get in miami definitely yes Come. <laughs> Ain't no problem. Ain't no problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just two last questions. Uh, one would be more. What resources um, would you recommend our listeners who, um, from anything that you mentioned, just from, you know, if they're um, from the social justice parenting piece outside of, you know, connecting with you, just how to get started through this journey. What what resources, like any books or anything that you can recommend? Yeah. You know
2: what I would recommend? And it's not a particular book. But what I would recommend for parents are children's literature books. It is such a great entry point to these hard conversations. Mm-hmm. I don't care how old your kids are using children's books as to open the doors to having dialogue is so important. Um, I use it all the time when my mother-in-law uh, was diagnosed with cancer uh, several years ago, and she's great. She's fine. She's healthy. I That's how I started the conversations. I read a book. And so my kids could know that, you know, Grammy would probably be losing her hair. She probably wouldn't have the energy to tour you guys around so that it wasn't so scary.
0: Yeah.
2: They saw it through the eyes of a of a, of a character and kids are more open to talk about their feelings when they can talk, to, talk about it through characters because it's not, they don't have to own it as, as much in the beginning. I would just say anytime you want to have hard conversations with your children, Start off with using children's literature as a way to enter it. And don't be afraid of having those conversations. When things are going on in the world, you cannot keep yourself your kids in a bubble because you're keeping them from the truth. And they need to learn how to handle the truth and all the emotions that come along with that when they're young and they have your support. Don't wait until they're a teenager in their early 20s before they realize that they have to learn what to do with all this heavy stuff that could be happening around them. Yeah,
0: I agree. I agree 100%. I know just kind of growing up, you know, there were just things that were taboo in, in, our, in my household. I was raised by my grandmother and we don't talk about that. We don't say that. Mm-mm, that's bad. That's nasty. That's gross. We don't do that. Da, da, da. And so of course, I you know, growing up, you just had to learn a lot of hard lessons. And so we, me and my husband definitely try to take the opposite approach and be, Open and honest with our children about anything, any and everything. Yeah. And sometimes we may initiate conversations, because we know that there are things that are out there that sometimes they may not necessarily bring to us. And we want to say, hey, like, it's okay for us to talk about these things. If you, you have questions about them, you know, you can always come to us, ask us, or we gonna? We, we, we may ask you questions. And like, there's nothing on the table that's bad, we're, we're going to talk about these things.
2: Yes, and there's no topic that's off limits. Yes,
0: absolutely.
2: Everything can be talked about um, at an age appropriate level.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Our house is a house where I get the call, (laughs) I get the phone call from parents that says, "Um, Well, today, Donnie learned about sex, and guess who told them? You know, I. My house is that house. So I have to explain to my kids too, you know, all parents don't talk to their kids about all things. Yes. And so like, I want to be the one to tell you, and we're talking about it Now, now. Yeah. Other parents want to be the ones that tell their kids too. So you can't have those conversations necessarily with any and everybody because parents are different, raising their kids differently. My kids are not surprised by things. Like they have a little bit of information about pretty much anything that's on the news, anything that's going on. We have intentional conversations a lot of times during dinner a lot of times in the car because we spend so much time in the car and we listen to npr so things come up on npr and like the me too movement yes. I had conversation with my boys about, about what no means to girls mm-hmm. and what my expect expectations are for them as young men Me, mean my kids were the youngest was i guess nine then but i want them to know what their what I expect from them as men growing up in society, um, and so you know, we we I turn the radio off for us to have that conversation in the car. So I I just am very proactive about talking to my kids about things that are going on in the world, so that they're not fearful, so they're not ignorant, and so they know where we stand as a family, and they can start making, you know, make decisions from a place of knowledge as they grow up.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what's next for Dr. Baxley? I know we talked about the course that you're launching um, and that you're reopening in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, What else do you have going on?
2: I am currently writing this social justice parenting book. (laughs) I'm about a Third of the way done, but I keep dabbing and other stuff and putting it off. So I do want to get that a, a book out, but I also, you know, I'm enjoying, I'm starting to go out and speak a little bit more. And so I'm in, in, enjoying that as well. You know, my goal is to, to maybe support as many families as I can, you know, to expose them to a different way of parenting that they may be doing. And I'm not saying mine is right or better, yeah. but it certainly may be different from the way um, some people are parenting right now, so I'm hoping parents are open to letting go of this fear-based parenting that we all find ourselves in at some point, you know, and that we can be more intentional about parenting our kids from this idea of radical love and and so that they can continue that as they grow older. Wouldn't it be cool that we're the generation that can change the way the world looks?
0: It would be pretty really darn cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely
1: do you have any speaking engagements that our listeners can plug into or that you have coming up soon i have one that's talking to
2: business women um bizchickslive.com. i think it, it's, it's her website for that um so I'm, I'm speaking to, I think, about 400 women who own businesses of how they can create a more diverse workplace yes. in their businesses. So I have that coming up. And then I have one more podcast coming up um, in the next couple of weeks that I'm doing. And it's 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 around social justice parenting as well. And so I'm, I'm hoping to to get on the circuit a little bit more and um, continue to spread the message.
0: Yeah, I love it. You also you did a, a TEDx talk, didn't you? A while back, I did
2: do a TEDx talk. Yes, and it was on, you know, my my eldest son who was diagnosed with uh, OCD and mild depression and anxiety, and what that was for me, and how social justice parenting really was a part of that as well. Because I know in the beginning I mentioned that there were two mm-hmm. two incidents, and that really was a second one. If anybody's interested in hearing that story, it's part of the TEDx talk that I did earlier this year. I guess it was, but yeah. So you know, as a mom. I don't definitely don't have all the answers. You know, I struggle too. I spent a lot of days in this, my closet crying and trying to figure things out, but I always try to go back in this space of radical love to figure out how to, how to work on, on the next thing, how to respond to my children.
0: And how to, what did you say also showing yourself grace too, right? As yes. a, As a mother, as a woman.
2: Yes, definitely. Definitely. I talk a lot about this. Um, and Yana, you know, I talk about this idea of not trying to balance it all. But yeah, we've had talks.
1: Exit, you know, <laughs>
2: show up in a certain space, and that's okay. Yeah. We always live in balance. We have to find the harmony and the ebbs and flows of our lives and um, do it all with grace, you know, taking off the cape that you have to wear as moms, as women and and being okay with that
1: yes that's a whole episode by i so. you so, yes. <laughs> lord have mercy my goodness well, thank you so much dr baxley yes. it was so yes, this, was fun. this was so fun yes thank you I love
2: your energy together. It's so good. Oh, thank thank you. you so much. Yes. Before
1: we wrap, um, can you let our listeners know how they can continue to follow your journey, get plugged in, get connected, be a part of your village? Yeah. How they work with you? Yes,
2: definitely. So, uh, my website is www.tracybaxley.com. I'm also on Instagram um, at Social Justice Parenting. We are also on Facebook, Social Justice Parenting, and we just started a, oh, I would love people to be a part of the group. So if you go to Social Justice Parenting on Facebook, there's a link to join the group. There we will just kind of answer questions and kind of take up our capes and help each other support one another in this journey. And um, so that would be a great way to stay involved and stay connected and that I can respond to any questions that that may arise um, and then I'm also at LinkedIn in, in more I guess a professional non-parent <laughs> a non-parent role um, at Tracy Baxley
0: Okay. alright well thank you for that and once again we just want to thank you so much for joining us and coming on and having a conversation with us and sharing your story we appreciate it so much give it up one more time for Dr. Trace- Baxley. Yeah. Tracy Baxley
1: ladies. Yes, we yeah. got to get you back on the show. Like I feel like there's so much more. Like Man. this is part 1. Oh of- my goodness. <laughs>
0: Anytime. Seriously. Yes. Seriously. But I think we're going to uh sign mm-hmm. off and until then, melanate, melanate on that. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our chat today. Keep the conversation going by heading to iTunes to subscribe, rate and leaving us a review.
1: Have a story of your own to share? Email us at info at melanatedconversations.com or connect with us on social media at melanatedconversations. Till next time, keep raising your voice.